Hi there, Duke fans. Episode 547 of the DBR podcast, the Duke Basketball Roundup, coming at you. I am Jason Evans. I am joined this evening by my buddy, Donald Wine. Donald, how you doing? Say hi to the people. <laughs> hi to the people. I always ask you to do that, and you do it so eloquently. So I'm going to say hi to the people as well. There you go. All right, so let me give everybody the menu really quick. Here's what we got on tap for you here, because it's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of topics that we're going to spend a little bit of time on each one of them. We got a little bit to talk about in terms of preseason awards. We're going to talk a bit about the ACC and some very interesting news that came down at ACC Media, Ga- Media Day just a short time ago. The NBA, in case you haven't heard, once guys are done at Duke, they keep on playing basketball. And that's a shocking thing. A lot of people aren't aware of that. But the NBA has started up, and we're going to run down for you some of the interesting uh, members of the Brotherhood who are currently getting paid big, big money to play basketball. We're going to preview the game against Louisville coming up this weekend for the Duke football team. A big, huge, important game in terms of Duke potentially making it to the ACC championship. And at the very end, there's some recruiting news. There's a recruit. I think folks have heard a little bit about him. There's there's some scuttlebutt. We're going to get into it just a tiny little, little bit about that. Anyway, as this I is like said, a, this is like a ratatouille. You you said there was a mini. This is like a ratatouille of sports stuff that we're talking about here. This is the hodgepodge. You throw it all in the pot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Throw it in the pot, stir it up, and then you have a conversation. <laughs> I love all right. It. Like I said, we're going to start with this Donald Wine. And by the way, most of what we're going to do today is me tossing stuff to you. <laughs> That's just fun. <laughs> I've been busy. Work's been going on. Folks know I'm a film critic. This is the time of year when I'm like, I'm literally seeing like four or five movies per week because because everybody's sending me screeners before before we vote on awards. Like my my critics group that I'm a, a part of votes on awards around Thanksgiving. And so like all those Oscar contenders that are going to come out in December and January, I'm getting them now so that I can vote on them. So I've been super busy lately. So you're taking lead for me, my friend. I'm playing the uh, the 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 guy manning the ship, the captain, I guess. You are the first mate, which means you're getting most of the work done. Are you ready? Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> you just I saw a movie. It. Come on now. I, I knew that reference. Little movie stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay. So captain says our first topic is this. Kyle Filipowski has been named. Kyle Filipowski. Has been named a first team All-American by the Associated Press, I believe it was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and several other agencies. Flip is way up there on the list. Now, he's not, I want to be clear, he has not been picked by anybody as preseason player of the year. Uh, that is almost universally going to uh, Zach Eady of Purdue, who was player of the year last year. Player of the year last year comes back. He's typically player of the year, at least preseason this year. So, Donald, give me your reaction to this honor, and it is a big honor, and expectations, because it is serious expectations, for flip you know first of all let me let me you mentioned zach Eady as part of that preseason all-american first team uh alongside kyle filipowski also marquette guard tyler kolik uh kansas center i i have to say kansas center, not, not michigan hunter dickinson and yeah. the guy who's still in college after 47 years armando baycott is also on this first team uh all-american so by the way by the way all four of those guys seniors or even super seniors Except Flip. And Flip is a sophomore. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? The expectations were already there, Jason. Remember at the end of last year, Kyle Filipowski won that big award. Uh, It was the Guy Award for the top freshman in the uh, country. 
So this comes with yeah, although expectations. although wait wait Brandon Miller was the top freshman in the country. <laughs> uh, hey, I I see he has a I, I see a trophy next to his name. So you know what I'm saying like Kyle Filipowski, those expectations are there, and, and we knew they were going to be there. Kyle Filipowski knew they were going to be there. I know Jason, we were hoping that we would get some of the ACC preseason awards like Player of the Year and things like that. Obviously, that's going to come down to Kyle Filipowski and Armando Baycott. But for Kyle Filipowski to be on this list is awesome. It, we haven't had a preseason All-American in quite a bit. And I mean, obviously, we've had some guys that have earned that through their play around the year. But for someone to come in with those expectations, Cal Filipowski is the right person for it. He deserves it. And at the same time, he uh, I think he understands and is ready to embrace the challenge of being that guy with the target on his back. He I mean, he had it at several points last year where you know teams would hone in on him and he'd still produce and get his 20 and 10 and get out of there. And in a lot of those instances, Duke would win the basketball game. So I'm really hoping for a great year from him, a healthy year from him. And I think if we do have that, he's going to be on the list at the end of the year too. Yeah. And that to me, that's the big deal. I mean, look, the preseason lists are fun for folks like us who have to talk about college basketball two or three, four times a week. For all our uh, faithful listeners out there, uh, they're they're fun for sports writers, but they aren't all that meaningful. If you go back over the years, you can look a lot of these at a lot of these preseason, you know, first team All ACC, first team All American kind of lists, and sort of be like, really that guy? Because what ends up happening is that they don't have the season that anyone expects them to. But that said, it is a big deal, and the expectations matter. And the important thing to me about Kyle, you mentioned health. The, the fact that, you know, he he was suffering with hip troubles, with health problems most of last year and still kind of put on the performance that he did. Still did that. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's got two healthy hips. I mean, I get why Zach Eady was preseason player of the year. <laughs> but there's I, I, but, you know, I mean, how much better are Kolick and Baycott and Dickinson and Eady going to be? They've been in college basketball forever. These guys have been around since like Kyle Filipowski was still in diapers practically. And, you know, th their game isn't going to change very much. There is a strong possibility that Kyle Filipowski passes all of them because his game has way more room to grow. And Jason, remember last year, you know, there were could probably count on, you know, maybe two or three fingers. The number of times that Kyle Filipowski had a game where he looked terrible. And one of those games, I think the whole team kind of looked terrible is when we played Purdue. Yeah, and lost to Zach Eady, absolutely destroyed us. So maybe you know, again that that helps Eady to uh, that national player of the year. He played that way all year long, and Kyle Filipowski only had a couple of moments. I mean, when we played North Carolina, he was a boss both times. So I'm looking forward to you know, I'm hoping that takes place again this year. And again, some of these guys that you're talking about, the Colics and the Hunter Dixons and Zach Eadys of the world. You know, we're definitely going to see Armando Baycott twice, at least twice. We could see some of those guys in the tournament as well. And Kyle Filipowski would love to see, show you that, hey, yeah, my name's on a list alongside these guys, but I'm better than them. I I'm I think two-hip flip is uh, the expectation that we all are like, yo, let's see what two-hip flip can do if we already know what, you know, 0.5-hip flip can do last year. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Look, we, we've talked about expectations. I'm going to use expectations and Kyle Filipowski to segue us to our next subject. At ACC Media Day today, Kyle Filipowski was asked by several reporters, 
hey, what are your expectations for this season? What are your goals for this season? Flip was blunt. He was real simple. Two words. National title. Two words. National championship. Exactly. Those are the two words. National championship. That is the answer he gave. And look, I get it. I get that everybody you talk to is going to be like, yeah, we expect to go 40-0 and win the title. That's the attitude these guys are supposed to have. Flip was, you could tell, it was serious. It wasn't like a pipe dream. It was absolutely what he and the team are talking about and looking forward to. All right, so that gets us to ACC Media Day. And the big news that came out of ACC Media Day today was comments by Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner. And I'm just going to, Donald, if I can, let me go through these really quick, and then I will let you comment on them. The, The big thing he said is all stuff looking forward to the future, looking forward to what the ACC is like under expansion. He's not going to look, you know, he's had a little bit to say about this coming season for basketball. You know, like he thinks the conference is undervalued and underrated. Of course, he's going to say those kind of things. But the the news he made was about the ACC when we expand to 18 teams, when we add SMU, Cal and Stanford. And that's that is, by the way, next year, a year from now, (laughs) a year from now, they will already be playing. Here's what he had to say specifically about basketball. He said that those Bay Area schools. Cal and Stanford will make about four or five trips to the East coast each year. And I would imagine on each one of those trips, you will see them play like a, not a double header, literally, but they'll play Thursday, Saturday. Um, So it'll be back-to-back road games for them on each one of those times. He also said that the regular ACC teams, teams like Duke, Carolina, Wake, Virginia, you name it, that those teams should expect to make a trip to the West coast only once every two years. And that when they do, they will travel in pairs. It'll just make scheduling easier if like Duke and Wake go out there. Duke plays Stanford on Thursday, Cal on Saturday. Wake plays Cal on Thursday, Stanford on Saturday. That's just the way they're going to do it. I don't think any of that is a big surprise. The surprise was this. And Jason, Jim before Phillips, you get to the, before yeah, you get to the surprise, let me yeah. let me comment on that because I think Please, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we we had talked about that when when it was announced that these three teams were joining the SEC or ACC, and I think you even mentioned like, hey, they're going to try and you know group these trips for especially for Stal or Cal and Stanford to make it where they're not just you know popping back and forth. And we talked about logistics of this, and I think again, I'm glad that they're looking forward in the logistics department because people think, oh, that's just easy. You just hop on a flight there and back, there and back. that's going to take a lot more than just, you know, a couple of months to plan. I'm glad they're starting now and thinking about this because all of that logistics, again, even some of those double headers that you talked about where teams kind of fly together, that's all going to require things. Like you may see Miami and Florida state play each other on Monday. And then the two of them fly out to the West coast together. Duke UNC or Duke or wake or something like that. Two, Two of the tobacco road teams could fly out there together. I think those are things that may seem easy, but definitely are challenging when with regards to you know how they plan it. I'm glad they're starting now. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let me get to the, the the somewhat surprising thing that Jim Phillips said. He said he's not convinced that everybody should be invited to the ACC conference tournament. I know, pick your jaw off the floor. The ACC conference tournament, which has existed, I, I, I should look up how many years. It's like the oldest conference like tournament. 1953. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. It, it since before I was born, and I'm an old man. Uh, and in every single one of those years, unless a team was ineligible and therefore disqualified, in every single one of those years, every team in the ACC, the worst team in the ACC had a chance to win that tournament. 
And what Jim Phillips said is, you know what? I think that's not going to be the case anymore because 18 teams is too big. Uh, if it's an 18-team tournament, it would have to be five days. And what's more, if you did it in five days, you're going to make virtually everyone in the conference play at least four days in a row. I'm sorry, if you did all 18 teams, almost everybody, like even the very top seed, was going to have to play at least four days in a row. There are not a lot of formulas, I don't think, that you can put together that makes sense where you get, you know, teams get buys for being at the top and 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 only have to play three days. A four day, four days in a row is a lot. Remember, Duke won the ACC in 2017 by winning four games in a row, four games in four days. Virginia Tech then did it in 2022. But it's just a lot. And there's a reason it's only been done twice. And the fact that Jim Phillips even floated this out there, that not everyone would get invited to the conference tournament, I think that tells you that that's probably the way they're going to go. Because logistically, it just makes a lot more sense. And I'm going to tell you this. I actually like the idea of 12 or maybe 14 teams being the only teams that qualify for the ACC tournament. First of all, it's worth noting that I don't think the ACC is anywhere close to the point where the 13th team, let's say it's 12, the 13th team, the team that gets lopped off, that they're going to be like, oh, no, we would have made the NCAA tournament if we only had a chance to play. You're just not, you know, it's not happening. <laughs> if you're the number 13 team in the ACC, you're you're not getting an at-large bid, and you really, your odds of winning the, the ACC tournament itself were next to none. So put that aside. I, I actually really like the fact that if we if we do it with only 12 teams or 14 teams, something like that, we still per, we're still going to be able to preserve a real advantage for the top few seeds, the top four seeds in all likelihood. And I think that's important. The regular season needs to matter. If you are one of those top, top four teams in the conference, the way it works now is you only play three day, three games in a row and all the other teams are playing four or even five. And I want that to continue because I think the regular season is important. You need to reward the teams that do the best in the regular season. And frankly, if you have like, you know, these double buys and single buys, if you have teams that being chopped off at 12 or 14, wherever it is, maybe that you end up chopping it off. It makes those final few regular season games really meaningful. And that's what I want. I, I I like those final games. You know, obviously, you know, if you're a team that's competing for a number one seed or something like that, they're meaningful. But there are a lot of teams sort of in the middle there where it's sort of like, eh, you know, are we going to be a six or an eight? Like, does it really matter that much? Well, if you're getting a buy, it matters. So I kind of like this idea, even though it's going to destroy a longtime tradition of having everyone in the conference make the tournament. So let me start with the logistics or at least the the format how it could go i think people need to realize that you know when we talk about the acc tournament people like to go back to the purest days quote unquote when there was like nine teams and seven you know seven teams got into the ncaa tournament every single year yeah if you recall that format nobody got a buy it was you had a play-in game between the eight and the nine seed teams and then everybody else played on that one day the the, the quote first day of the tournament it's the same thing that we have now with the play-in of the NCAA tournament. Everybody plays the same day. There's no buys or anything like that. So I'm not necessarily worried about the buy, and I think there's going to be ways that they can engineer it where you have 18 teams or however many teams where there is some buys, but not, uh, you know, it's not going to be the top four. It may not, or maybe you do it where there's a top six. You have, there's ways to do it. It's just a matter of whether they want to do it. Now, to the point of, of, 
Phillips comments that there shouldn't be all 18 teams in this thing. Let me say this, and I'm going to use this. I'm going to use a, uh, a corollary with soccer. The world cup is the biggest tournament on the planet and every team in the world, every single FIFA registered team has a shot at making it to the world cup. Now, the Anguillas and British Virgin Islands of the world, they may not have a great shot. They may not have a, a you know a, a snowball's chance in hell, but they have a shot. And I think the great thing about the NCAA tournament is with the exception of maybe you know one or two conferences, everybody has a shot to be a part of Magical March. And I think that is something that I have always said should be the case. I think all 18 teams, if you are a part of a, of a conference, you, may, you could go 0 and 20 in the ACC. And I think you should have that chance to play in the ACC tournament. I think you should have that chance to have your fans see you play in the postseason at least one time, because you never know what can happen. We have seen not necessarily in the ACC, but we have seen teams in other conferences who are terrible, who have all of a sudden it hits March, their conference tournament starts and they use that opportunity that they get and they ride that to the NCAA tournament. Now they may, they're not going to win any games or they may not win any games, but even then they have a chance to be magical. Just like we say, everyone in the NCAA tournament, all 68 teams have the same shot at winning the national championship as the number one seed, the number one seed, the number 16 seed have the same shot. And so I am always of the belief that every team should have that opportunity. Again, they may be done on day one. That's part of the game. And they may their their season may be done two hours after the tournament starts. That's that's sometimes how the ball rolls. But for some, I think that opportunity is enough. And I I know Jason, you the 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 um the comments that you had and the the logistics behind you know shortening it to thirteen teams or twelve teams or whatever. I get all that, and I I, I completely understand that's that point of view. I just happen to disagree because for me. I always like that fact that everybody comes in with a chance. It may not be a good chance, but a ch- but as they say in uh, in Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. Like everyone can at least say that. It just may not come to fruition. All right, so we're going to move on. There's going to be more ACC news very soon. <laughs> like we'll maybe, be talking like maybe tomorrow <laughs> yeah probably probably tomorrow we're gonna get like the preseason all acc teams and the player of the year and stuff like that and, and they're gonna be doing and how the teams are ranked and all that yeah yeah they're gonna there be some and we're gonna be talking about that but i want to quickly get to the nba folks may not have realized this the nba season has begun uh, a couple teams or four teams played last night virtually everyone else is playing tonight and there are a lot 24 24 Dukies in the NBA right now. Donald, are there a few of these guys you wanted to highlight? Yeah. So I think, you know, there's obviously some of these regulars that we see night in and night out will be on national TV a lot. For example, Jason Tatum. If you don't know that Jason Tatum's on the Boston Celtics, then you're just not watching NBA basketball, and that's fine. But Jason Tatum's on the on the Boston Celtics. He's really, really good. He's one of the best players in the NBA. He is, you know, one of those guys that is a short favorite, you know, shirtless favorite for MVP this year. He's going to be that good. But there are some guys that have made some moves. You know, Seth Curry used to be on the Sixers. Now he he was on the Nets last year. He was part of that James Harden trade going back and forth. Now he's on the Mavs with Derek Lively and Kyrie Irving, which I think is pretty cool. Marquise Bolden 
Shout out to Marquise Bolden. He was not in the NBA last year. At least he was in the G League kind of waiting for his opportunity. Well, Jason, he got it. He's on the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, Milwaukee Bucks, pretty good team. And he's going to be a part of that. I think it, right now it's a two-way deal. But at least he was on the roster on opening opening night tonight, which I think is amazing. We saw the same thing last year with Jack White. What did Jack White do? He was a two-way player. He got a ring with the Denver Nuggets. So I think that's really cool that guys who have been out of the NBA, or at least hanging it, hanging on, uh, find their way back into the NBA. Do you know the Brotherhood knows how to do that well? And by the way, really quick on Marquise Bolden, uh, the, the fascinating thing about him is that he's been playing overseas and he's developed a three-point shot. Like mm-hmm. One of the things they're saying about him is that he's really got a good three-pointer now, and and that's a lot of why he you know was able to find his way onto the Milwaukee Bucks. It's worth noting, you're right, he's on a two-way contract, and it's not guaranteed, and look, something could happen. He could get cut at any time. But while he's up there, he's making 500 grand, half a million dollars a year. That's what those two-way contracts play. They're, you know, they're, they're not the, the mega money that, that a lot of these guys make. But you can do a lot with half a million dollars, and that's what Marquise, Marquise Bolden is making this year. And he is going to at least play enough games or at least be on the team on the roster for enough games that if the Milwaukee Bucks win it all, homeboy gets a ring out of it. So at least with a two-way deal, you're guaranteed, I think, at least 41 days with the big club. You may not play 41 games, but at least you're on the roster for 41 games. So I think that's awesome. Uh, Congratulations to him. Cam Reddish last year was on the Knicks. He got traded midseason to the Portland Trailblazers, and he is now with LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. They debuted last night as we record on Wednesday. Uh, Harry Giles with the Nets now. Um, Grayson Allen is now with the Suns. He was part of that big trade involving uh, uh, Chris Paul. Uh, I'm sorry, not Chris Paul, uh, Dame Lillard. Um, yeah. Going to the ending up on the uh, on the Bucks. So uh, Grayson Allen, he also debuted last night. So there's a lot of guys who've been moving around. Also, uh, shout out to Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones right here uh, in D.C. with the Washington Wizards this year. Washington Wizards are not going to be good this year, but Tyus Jones is going to be a nice bright spot for them because I'm going to enjoy watching him try to figure out how to keep this team together when they go through some really, really lean times as they're doing here uh, down here at the uh, Capital One Arena. So uh, that's the some of the, uh, Jason, some of the guys that have moved around, at least in the offseason. We know there were some that did midseason, and obviously trades can set people in different places at different times, but the brotherhood is strong. 24 players on 18 teams this year. Um, you know, shout out to the Pistons, Marvin Bagley, the third still hanging on uh, and doing well with them. So there's going to be guys that you're going to be able to tune in on any given night. And some Dukies are going to be playing very few teams, very few colleges in this country can say that. And, and we're one of the teams that we're one of the schools that can say, hey, anytime I turn on the TV and there's a nationally televised game on, chances are there's a Blue Devil playing. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. So like you said, the 24 Dukies, um, the only school with more players in the NBA this season, at least at the moment, is the Kentucky Wildcats. They have 26. Duke keeps on keep on trying to top Kentucky and we just can't quite get there. We'll get there soon enough. I'm I'm sure of it. I, I, I wanted to know just a couple of things about all this. Uh, first of all, you mentioned Harry Giles is in Brooklyn. That, that's an amazing that's amazing news. Harry Giles was out of the mm-hmm. NBA and has struggled so much with injuries. I can't people I I wish folks knew how great he was in high school and how much he was forecast to be a guy who would be a, you know, in the NBA for years and years and a future all star, everyone said. And he's just been sapped of so much to see him fight and battle and get his way back onto a full roster. He's not on a two way deal. He is on a full contract with Brooklyn. That's just great. 
A couple other guys I wanted to highlight very quickly. Jalen Johnson in Atlanta, um, fairly likely that he's going to get a lot of playing time and start for the Atlanta Hawks, and he could end up being a He started tonight, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he could end up being a pretty significant player for the Hawks. They they cleared out a spot for him by trading John Collins, so keep an eye on that. Uh, Trey Jones is in a, a really interesting situation in San Antonio. He's mm-hmm. been playing a lot of point guard with Victor Wembanyama. Trey, throw the lob, baby. Wemby's there. Throw the lob. It's going to be, I mean, that's going to be, for a team that probably isn't going to be that great, everyone's going to want to watch San Antonio. Derek Lively is the starting center for Dallas. There is not a very long list, you know, other than guys who, you know, were like number one picks. When you get to the middle of the first round, which is where Derek Lively was taken, there's not a long list of centers that start on day one, the way Derek Lively is. And I think he's in a really interesting situation with Luca and Kyrie, who are going to, you know, take all the energy and uh, and attention on offense, and they're going to let Lively really, you know, watch that rim on defense. And it's going to be a really interesting situation for him. And then the last guy I wanted to mention, Zion Williamson. Zion Zion is back. He's back. Yeah, and you know, I, I think people don't know what to make of it now. The injury stuff has gone on for so long. Like when he plays, he's amazing, but he doesn't play that much. I know every single Duke fan out there is dying for Zion Williamson to have a full season this year and show the league what he can do. It is not outrageous to say that Zion Williamson is an all NBA talent if he's healthy. And I'm I'm here for it. Please let it happen. And also on that note, you know, over the summer, we talked a lot about there was a point where it felt like it was very, it was imminent that Zion Williamson was going to be traded. And a lot of people were thinking, oh, a trade out of New Orleans would give him a fresh start and at least a new situation where he can kind of focus on basketball. And he said, no, I don't want to be traded. I owe, I owe this franchise. I owe this ball club, you know, a healthy me. And I'm going to work hard to become healthy to, to give them, you know, you know, give them some of the, the faith that they put in me. I need to give that back to them. So uh, I'm happy that he's sticking it out and, you know, so far he's looked really good and now it's the start of the season. Let, uh, we pray that he stays healthy because he is arguably the most exciting player in the NBA when he is on the floor at full strength. Well, Victor Wembanyama exists. <laughs> most I'm, exciting. We're, we're, we're watching right now. We're watching is, right now. So. It's comically bit. It's just like weird. It's like shout out Derek Lively. He has to, he's, he's had to guard him a little bit. Too, yeah. So, Nice assignment for your first game out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Enjoy that. Okay. Look, we're going to take a quick break on the other side. There's some football to preview. And have you heard the name Cooper flag? How does Cooper flag to Duke sound to you? A little bit of recruiting news. This episode of the Duke basketball roundup is sponsored by better help. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when... Stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist 
can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. Back from the break, it's time to talk a little bit of football. The Blue Devils taking on the Louisville Cardinals this weekend. Louisville 6-1, and one, currently 3-1 and one in the ACC. They are tied with North Carolina for second in the conference behind the hated Florida State Seminoles. The Blue Devils 2-1, and one, and this is a big game. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. I feel like we say that every week with the football team, but it's really true. We're in the heart of big game football for Duke. This is a huge one. Donald, tell me what I need to look out for with the Louisville Cardinals. Well, first off, I I, I think we all wish that this game was at Wallace Wade. You know, being especially coming off the, the Florida State loss, being able to come back home, I, I wished would have been this game. But this game's on the road, and this is a really tough test. I know our guys are going to be up for it, especially uh, considering some of the things that went wrong, I guess, against Florida State. And you start with the quarterback position, at least for Duke, it's probably likely that Henry Bielen is going to get the start. We, I, we have, I don't think we've heard anything uh, as of right now from Mike Elko, Jason, you're, I see you're looking it up so you can tell me uh, in a second, but I think when you look at Louisville, they have some guys that have some really good stats and they have some playmakers, Jake Pl- or Jack Plummer, 1900 yards, throwing the ball is ridiculous, but he has a tendency to be wild 13 touchdowns, but has eight interceptions. So yeah, I was going to say, over like, place. Hey, that's a lot of interceptions coming from Jack Plummer. Uh, you know, not a good stat at all. And the thing the thing to note about him, he, he's another one of these guys who's been around college football forever and a day. Like, he, he's on his third different – he played for Purdue. He played for Cal. Mm-hmm. And and he is he's not someone who typically has been really wild with the ball. Like, he has eight interceptions this year. You know, most of his other seasons – he, you know, he wasn't hitting double figure interceptions by by any stretch of the imagination. So it's really interesting that he's, uh, you know, struggled with his accuracy as much as he has uh, this season. This is a, a prime game for the secondary to kind of say, hey, we can, you know, we can make some plays here, and and maybe uh, the the defensive schemes that we put out are going to be ones where we can, you know, not necessarily take some risk, but there's going to be some opportunities maybe. Uh, to force Jack Plummer to throw the ball wildly and for us to take it and go the other direction. I think the turnover battle is going to be huge. I mentioned that he has eight interceptions. The the Louisville defense also has eight interceptions on the year and six fumble recoveries. So and 15 sacks. So they have, you know, guys who can surround the ball, make plays. And if, you know, if you make a bad decision with a football, they can pounce on it. So I'm really interested in the secondary versus Louisville's throwing or, you know, especially their passing game. Uh, because I think that's going to be one of the keys to the game. Jawar Jordan uh, is a guy who is their main rusher, but also can catch the ball. He has 661 yards on the ground. He's caught 100 for 174 yards 
and he has eight touchdowns rushing. So this man, you know, he's one of those guys that's going to explode from the line of scrimmage. He averages 7.4 yards per carry. We need to put a body on him. Yeah, by the way, Jawar Jordan, this is this is big. I mean, because this guy is a, a truly studly elite running back, as you mentioned, 7.4 yards per carry, which is just like scary. Dude averages seven yards a carry. I mean, how is that even possible? But he went out early, very early in the game they lost to Pitt, and he is still listed as questionable for this game against Duke. You know, if you're looking for a reason why Louisville was upset by Pitt, a lot of that probably is that they were missing their stud running back, and it would be a big deal for Duke. No one knows if he's going to play. Sort of, you know, same way with Riley Leonard, you know, considered day-to-day, and we don't really know what, what's going to happen until game time with Riley Leonard. Jawar Jordan is probably the same kind of situation. And, if you know, if you want to flip this game on its head completely, if Riley Leonard plays and Jawar Jordan doesn't, or if Riley Leonard doesn't play and Jawar Jordan does, those are the two the, 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 those two day-to-day situations could completely change the outcome of this game. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I'm looking at Jason is is the Duke offensive line. Uh because again, whoever is under center is going to need time to throw the ball, going to need time to make decisions with the football. And with Henry, if it's Henry Beelan, then that is even more important because you want to make sure that he feels confident back there to make, you know, make the pass that he needs to do. Or again, if he needs to tuck and run, he doesn't do that often, but if he needs to kind of, you know, wiggle around the pocket and buy some time to throw the football, he needs to have that confidence that the offensive line is going to hold him down. So I'm looking to see what happens with the, with the offensive line. That is going to be an important unit on Saturday, no matter who was under center, because a lot of what we do depends on, buying time with the football so that we can make plays. And if we can do that, Louisville is right for the pick. And I think, you know, the Louisville game brought out a lot. Everyone said, oh man, Louisville getting punished by Pitt is a problem. I, I think Louisville is a really good football team, but that game, if you look back at it and mind you, they haven't played since then. They they're coming off a bye week. Unfortunately for us, uh, they've had two weeks to prepare for us. But at the same time, I think if our offensive line can hold things down and the Defense, especially the secondary, can be as staunch as they had been all year until that Florida State game. Then, yo, I think we have some guys who can make things happen, and we have a chance to win this football game. And all this, we control our destiny still to get to the ACC championship game, despite the loss to Florida State. We play the two teams that are in front of us right now. We play Louisville. We play North Carolina. It starts on Saturday. If we can get this win, then hey, we're right back in the picture of things, and maybe that helps boost some confidence. So this Louisville team is the most up and down hard to figure out team in the country. I, I I know their record is six and one, but like, all right. So in their third game, they played Indiana and they only won 21 to 14. Indiana is not good. They they have not won a game yet in the, in the big 10. They've only got two wins in the entire season. Indiana is just not that good. And blue will only beat them 21 to 14. The very next week they come back, they play Boston college. Who's fairly good. BC is two and two in the ACC, four and three overall. Louisville beat Boston College fifty-six to twenty-eight. Beat, beat Indiana 21-14, and then beats Boston College fifty-six to twenty-eight. The next week, I'm 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 getting to this man. This like up and down, like you would not believe. The next week, they play NC State. Look, we know NC State. Duke beat the brakes off of NC State. Louisville only beat NC State thirteen to ten. Thirteen points against that NC State team. You know that's just not that impressive. The very next week they play Notre Dame and they win 33 to 20. Louisville beat Notre Dame 33 to 20. 
I mean, that's that's up there. That's one of the biggest wins by anyone in the ACC this season. Like down up, down up, down up. And then the next week, of course, they play Pitt and they lose 38 to 21. Pitt was arguably the worst team in the ACC coming into that game. And and they crushed, just crushed Louisville 38 to 21. I'll tell you why I'm scared, Donald. Down, up, down, up. Last week they, or two weeks ago, they were down. I don't want them to be up against Duke. Nope. But this Louisville nope. team, you just don't know what you're going to get from them. I hope they stay in their bye week is what was, I think, what we all That expect. was the up. The bye week was up. Uh, they, they were bye undefeated on their bye it week. It was up because they didn't lose. So yeah. now they can lose uh, on Saturday. But, yeah, Jason, the, the turnover battle, you know, limiting big plays. We talked about that all week. But I think some of those things that you mentioned, catching them while they're down and keeping them down, like if they have opportunities to, you know, to kind of take away that momentum. And, and granted, you know, their stadium isn't like, the biggest best stadium in college football, but it can get loud. And we've seen them, their, their crowd turn up for big games. And I'm expecting that to happen on Saturday. So we need to kill that momentum whenever possible and keep them out of the football game. We can do that. Yo, Jason, we'll be back in business. And I I think we all want us to be back in business. All right, Donald, we're going to wrap it up here on this latest edition of the DBR, the Duke basketball roundup with this. We're not saying it's going to happen. All right, folks, we're not making a prediction and we're not going to spoil this kid's right to make his decision and and announce it to the public in whatever way he chooses to. But the tea leaves, Donald, everybody out there is saying, and by everybody, I mean people who are in the know, people who sort of professionally let you know what recruits are thinking about doing. They're saying that Cooper flag to Duke is a done deal. And in fact, the word is that the announcement is coming this week. It may be coming tomorrow. There's a, there's some chatter that it may be coming tomorrow. But it certainly sounds like Duke is going to get Cooper Flag. Now, we're going to have, when it happens, <laughs> check your podcast feed. We will be here to talk about Cooper Flag. Like, we've talked about Cooper Flag probably more than any other uncommitted Duke recruit ever. Uh, it's unbelievable how much we've already talked about Cooper Flag on this podcast, but we'll be talking about him more when the decision comes down. But I just wanted everybody to be aware, be ready. It's supposedly going to come in the next day or two. And what the tea leaves, what the experts, what the predictions are saying is that Cooper Flag is going to be wearing Duke blue next season. Donald, do you have anything you want to say about this? I'm not saying nothing on the predictions, but Jason, I'm just going to give you something that we we have done in this show. If you think back to 2018, when Zion Williamson committed, it felt like out of nowhere. That euphoria that we had, we we jumped on. It's one of the epic episodes in this podcast history. I think we basically just yelled and screamed for 30 minutes. I don't know what we said. I was at a bar <laughs> in San Diego when this news came down. It literally, ste- was, I didn't even step out of the bar. I just grabbed shots and basically went to a corner of this outside patio and yelled and screamed with you for, and, and Sam for 30 minutes. Jason, I'm going to San Diego on Friday. So I, I don't know if he wants to wait until I get there so I can maybe go to the same bar. Maybe that's what I need, but I'm not jinxing this. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I can feel all I want. But this is, I'm just going to let this ride, let this man make this decision. And I still hope, I still hope that the man says, I'm coming to Duke. I love it. All right. I'm I'm going to save my Cooper flag stuff until the, the, the commitment happens. But I will say that I've heard through the, I've heard some tea leaves as well. I've, I've heard a little bit of little, little, tiny, I, have I don't, I don't, I don't really drink tea. 
this time of year because sources. yeah i don't I'm i got some sources <laughs> my sources are, are giving me a, it's like kind of they're winking you know they're, they're going yeah i think it might happen all right but there's also there's also this recruiting news i want to get into this very very quickly and then we'll be all done patrick uh gongba who we've spoken about a little bit Ngongba. yeah patrick Ngongba. thank you uh we haven't not talked about him nearly as much as cooper flag but we have talked about him uh a a, a six nine um six ten um uh uh center big man from uh pvi from paul the sixth a school that has produced many a blue devil in recent years uh has said he will announce his college decision on november 4th that's about 10 days from now he has narrowed his list to only three schools duke kentucky and kansas state it is worth noting he was at countdown to craziness we mentioned him very briefly on the last podcast uh, so he he saw Duke in all its glory at CTC this weekend. In the next couple of days, he'll be traveling to Kansas State. It is his second official visit to Kansas State. He's visited Duke twice as well. And everybody sort of says that this is a even though Kentucky's one of the finalists, everyone says this is a Duke versus K-State kind of thing. And I, I don't I don't want him to feel at all like we are so obsessed with Cooper Flag that we are not talking at all about Patrick because he is a hell of a player. He would be a very important piece of a future Duke roster, and we should be getting a decision on him in about 10 days as well. You know, I, I think with him and also uh, VJ Edgecombe was was that countdown to craziness as well. Yes, you know, yes. The guy that we're targeting in this class, all these guys, it, it seems like all these guys are, are, you know, really cool. Each other really tight. We've seen them interacting on each other's Instagram posts uh, about the weekend and just, the, you know, about, you know, basketball in general. I I hope again I go back to that 20 you know 18 class where we got the top three guys and everyone said there's no way we're going to get RJ Barrett Zion Williamson and Cam Reddish there's just no way and they somehow said hey I don't we want to go because we want to be the best and to do that we want to compete with the best we want to practice with the best and we want to play with the best and if if Cooper Flag decides he wants to come and because of that in gongba or even if he doesn't want to come and and gongba and edge can want to come and wanted four of the monsters yo let's bring it on we'll, we'll, we'll film space jam right now uh space jam three but we'll be the monsters i'm i i really hope all this happens in gongba of course i think it's darren harris right is is at pvi with him as a teammate right exactly his teammates and, and already of come course, to Duke. <laughs> yeah of course jeremy roach trevor keels all with pvi we we've, we've, we've had a nice little uh, pipeline there recently uh, and they're right out here in, in Leesburg, Virginia. So I, I'm really hoping that Ngogba just goes to K-State and he goes, thanks for the nice trip to uh, Manhattan, Kansas, the other Manhattan, the other Big Apple, I guess. And yeah. uh, I'm going to come. I'm going to go to Durham. I really hope this happens. I I'm glad we have a date for him. And I think Edgecombe will be the last one. But man, this is about to be there's a lot coming down the pipe. We, there's a lot of stuff coming. I hope everyone's ready. Um, don't you know? Don't use all your euphoria on one thing. We're we're gonna have a lot of things to, to hopefully be happy about over the next couple of weeks. Amen. Exactly. All right. With that, we're gonna wrap it up here on the latest edition of the Duke Basketball Roundup. I have a feeling. I suspect that we will be in your feed again very, very soon. The ACC is set to announce some stuff. Cooper Flag is set to announce some stuff. It's gonna be a busy few days. By the way, this weekend Duke's playing Villanova in a secret scrimmage that is not secret at all. The football team is playing. Donald, I my, my wife hates it. My wife is like, you're doing another podcast? I think you and I are going to be seeing each other almost daily, like for the next two two or three weeks. So <laughs> this is this time of year. This is yeah. the time of year where we get to we 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 get to know each other again. 
Exactly. A lot. <laughs> My wife may hate it, but I love it. That's the Hi, Mrs. God, Evans. honest truth. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us here in the latest edition of the DBR podcast. We're Donald. I'm Jason. We're Sam, who could not join us, but will be joining us again very soon. Here's the Duke band. Play us out and take us out.